everybody welcome back to another edition of the untitled jeff gluck podcast i'm your host jeff gluck and today it's another post-race version of the podcast here at phoenix raceway and i am joined once again by john haverland of the new mexico motorsports report john how are you i'm great and uh it's ism raceway now jeff you just oh gosh i've been (laughs) so good about that too it is, yeah. Oh, darn. That, that, that really does get me. Thanks right. I'm, I'm kind of guilty of that, too. Yeah, actually. yeah. I should probably put something in the fine jar or something. But we're still in Phoenix, or at least the Phoenix area, so I'll just call it Phoenix, and I sure. won't say the track name. That's what I've been doing in my tweets. I'll say, at Phoenix, and then they can't come back and say, well, wait, it's ISM Raceway. I say, oh, no, I didn't say the name of the track. I just said Phoenix, like Chicagoland or whatever. All that. Right, yep. Same track. I got you. you. Get, yeah. Anyway. We, uh, we just saw the race here, and we just finished our interviews with the drivers, uh, came back from Pit Road. You were out talking to the same guys I was. We were in the, some of the same scrums, and then we heard from Kyle Busch as well. And, uh, of course, Kyle Busch winning his 52nd Cup race, uh, his 199th National Series race. We can get into that in a minute. But um, first of all, I guess let's, let's talk about how this race unfolded. Um, well, from what the drivers said, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of passing going on out there. Is that the impression that you got? Yeah. And I think that was generally the impression that, you know, drivers were talking about even before the race. So, uh, you know, I mentioned this to you earlier this weekend, uh, Ryan Newman, he actually went as far as comparing like the new package to maybe like what IndyCar has been like here, you know, a lot of speed, a lot of grip. And when he said that, it actually kind of worried me because I mean, so IndyCar came back to Phoenix in 2016 and then at last year they, you know, they announced that they're not coming back, and there's a reason for that. The races were pretty bad, um, so I thought, well, if this is going to be anything like an IndyCar race, then it's probably not going to be a good show. Yep. And then we were standing on there on pit road, and guess who brought that up? Harvick. He said, uh, "More speed. Uh, the IndyCars are are the ones that have been going the fastest around here, and they can't pass at all. And more speed isn't necessarily a good thing." Uh, I didn't was, even catch that. He said that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, you must've just walked away when he said that. Cause oh, I know okay, we were talking yeah. to him at the same time, but yeah, he said that. So, and, and, but the point is, um, you know, they had 750 horsepower, which was the last year's power, but they had way added downforce because of the huge spoiler. And so that was making the cars they were talking about all weekend go much faster than they had before. Yep. And, um, that made for a race where it's really tough to pass because if everybody's going that fast, it's harder to pass. And the amount of dirty air that was creating a wake, Joey Logano said afterwards, he, he said it was really, 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 really <laughs> difficult to pass. I had to count that because he said it five times. And he said that when you would get up to another car, you basically just stopped. Like it was just huge wall of air that just stopped your car. So you could be aggressive on restarts. And he said that everybody was being aggressive on restarts because they had more grip and they knew on the restarts that they had to get that position then. And it would all sort out after a couple laps. But other than that, he said, it doesn't matter how aggressive you could be because you weren't going anywhere. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the restarts were really the saving grace of, you know, today's race. So, uh, there was a lot of cautions and, you know, Kyle Larson, he liked to dive down to the bottom Logano too, Blaney. That was really kind of the saving grace because the restarts were really, really good. Like the way they go through turns one and two, like they're like four wide, five wide. Yeah. That's really like, it was entertaining because it lasted maybe like two or three laps and then, you know, they would kind of string out and it'd be single file again. But so yeah, that's why I'm kind of conflicted about, 
whether I think this is like a good race or not. You know, I guess we'll talk about the poll later in the podcast. But yeah, I've been kind of thinking about it since like the end of stage two. Like, wow, this race is interesting. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, like last week at Vegas, we were kind of like, man, this race would have been much better if they just had a few more restarts because the restarts all season really have been the best thing going. I mean, whether it's Atlanta, Vegas, or here today at at Phoenix, ISM, um, (laughs) you know, uh, the restarts are the most compelling part of the race easily. Right. Um, and, and you know, it's like you said, four wide, it almost looked like five wide or something. Sometimes when they're going down in the apron and you're like, wow, how are they going to get out of this? And and then it sorts itself out, and then they can't really go anywhere. I have but, to say, that's probably my favorite thing about the new – it's not that it's a new configuration, but the new placement of the start-finish line. Like, we didn't, maybe – I don't remember, but I feel like the restarts weren't like that where the old finish line was on what's now the backstretch. Well, I think one reason is that, like, before when they were coming around at that part – um, they would have already, to kind of narrow down to get into turns one and two. Yeah. And, then like and right back now apart. they're, they're going at slow enough speed, um, coming through that corner at the start yeah. that they can immediately go down there. Yeah, like, definitely f- take that line right away. They're not having to be all the way up to speed and then dive down as much like they can, like Kyle Busch restart in the bottom at this at one, one point today. And I remember he just went straight across cause he wasn't, it wasn't going to hurt his car at that that way, you know? Right. Um, but it is so interesting though, because, you know, obviously it's not good that you can't pass. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to put any sort of bow on that. That, that sucks. I mean, you want to see passing, you want to see guys be able to race each other. And Harvick said he would get to guys that were six, seventh, eight, eight tenths slower than him, um, on a normal lap speed. But once he got to them, he could not pass them. And that's not good. I mean, that's, yeah, it's not what you want. But um, the the one thing is that if you are a strategy type person, this is apparently shaping up to be the season for you because <laughs> it's coming down to, it's going to come down to all sorts of different tire calls and track position calls. What can you do to get that track position? Um, I mean, even Kyle Busch said in his winner's press conference just now, he's pretty honest about it. He said, if it had only been like a, a 50 lap run into the finish, Ryan Blaney would have won that race because the only Kyle Busch said the only way that he passed Ryan Blaney um, was he waited till they were starting to lap cars and they were able, he was able to basically use it as a pick and, and lap Ryan Blaney or that, that started making his handling going away because then Ryan Blaney was having the same problems in traffic that Kyle Busch was behind Blaney. So if you're not lapping cars, you know, you're, you're not going to pass someone. So if it had been 20 lap run to the finish 50 lap run, like Kyle said, Blaney would have won that race. Yeah, and another thing I want to say about what this package was like, I mean, this was the first time we're seeing the 750 horsepower, right? So, you know, I just pulled it up on my phone, and there's, I guess, 11 more races with 750 horsepower, and it's going to be at the shorter tracks, you know? So I don't want fans to think that, you know, what they saw today is going to be indicative of what we see, you know, throughout the rest of the season when we race at tracks that are going to have this much horsepower. So I I still think that there's hope. Um, but I don't know. I, I've heard conflicting things on that, to be honest. You think so? Okay. Like, let's say, I mean, obviously, a, a New Hampshire would be a lot like this, right? Right, yeah. So, New Hampshire is going to be like this, going to be track position. But I think that, you know, you get to a Richmond or even like a Bristol or something, and you could have some of the same issues, potentially. I mean, Richmond is already, come, clean air comes into play sometimes there. Um, and this is going to be the same. This is the short track package. So... It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, could could we see all sorts of gambles at, at tracks like this with, with tires? Um, because 
if you got your track position, pretty much you were going to stay up there. And and when you lost your track position, like when Kevin Harvick pitted with Boyer or whatever, um, he couldn't come back up through the field. I mean, he, I think he got back up to barely the top 10, but I mean, it wasn't like he charged up through there. So it's, it's a, it's a whole new game now. I mean, I think, I think that this caught some people off guard, even crew chiefs, as far as like how much the track position really came into play. Denny Hamlin said it's all that. I mean, restarts, your, your pit stops. I mean, everything has to be super buttoned up because even if you're a faster car, when you get somebody, you can't just drive around them. You have to wait for them to slip up and make a mistake, catch lap traffic. You know, and I think another point I want to bring up is um, this is probably wasn't nearly as talked about, but the tires were different this weekend. Um, I, I spoke to Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano out on pit road, and they kind of both indicated that maybe the tires weren't the best for this race. And then I asked Kyle Busch that in the press conference. And, you know, he's obviously, you know, one that's never been shy to be critical of Goodyear. But he said, yeah, the tires were kind of hard. He also wasn't really complaining that much considering he just won the race. So I think that actually played, you know, a yeah. No, he said they were way too hard for Xfinity, and that meant they were too hard for Cup. Too. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and and you asked Harvick this too, but you know, was it the package or was it the tires? And he he kind of said he both, said both. Yeah, all of the above. But it's hard to say how much you you put on whatever. But I, I do think though that the I, I feel like the dirty air part of it's coming from that huge spoiler. That's you know you oh, can't yeah. really blame the tires much on that. I think if the tires had worn out more, because. Um, Somebody, now I can't remember who I was just transcribing their quote, had said at the very end of the race, after the tires had really started to wear at the very long run, you could start to pass people toward the end or, or start to make some gains. Maybe Truex said that. But other than that, I mean, they, yeah, they were too hard to really make gains. So maybe it was Larson that said that. Actually. I was thinking yeah, Larson, Larson maybe. Said that. So maybe like going forward, uh, what I was thinking about was, okay, so these tracks that we're going to, you know, the short tracks with more horsepower, Maybe we see something like what New Hampshire and Bristol have done with the the traction compound. Are more are there going to be tracks that maybe want to consider doing it if they haven't done it before to try to you know make track position a little bit less important, try to make passing a little easier. Yeah, maybe I didn't, I didn't even think about the traction compound, but it's a good point. I mean, another thing that that plays into all this is if it's going to be about track position and getting all you can on a restart. Um, if there's going to be a lot of cautions in the race, that really favors good restarters. I've, I've learned this from uh, the Positive Regression podcast that David Smith does, and and he makes a great point that, the, like, for instance, um, Chase Elliott, if, if you look at the numbers, he doesn't retain his position very well. They've talked about this on the podcast. Um, the, the races that benefit Chase Elliott are where there are long runs where he can make passes. If it's going to be a race where there's a lot of short runs, he loses his positions. On the other hand, you look at, like, a guy like Larson today, and Larson, you know, he's able to make moves and, and make passes. And he talked about that. That was his only saving grace because he felt like he didn't even really make that many green flag passes, but he would just pick off a couple positions or whatever each time on the restarts and, and hold it. Anyway, uh, obviously that'll be a, a theme all season we continue to touch on. So we won't burn all our thoughts on that on this one podcast, but uh, something that will be uh, highly talked about going into Fontana is Kyle Busch approaching the 200 mark. Very controversial on uh, Twitter because people get very outraged when you bring up the Richard Petty thing. Um, 
and you know he's going to be in the Xfinity race. I'm I'm pretty sure, so he could match the 200 in the Xfinity race. Even um, Nick Bromberg is going to have a, a troll field day. What, what a time to be what alive! What a time to yeah. be alive! Nick Bromberg yeah. will tweet, and uh, people will get very mad about it. But there is comparisons to Richard Petty. Um, I'll just start with you. What what is your take? Uh, does does Kyle's feet um, right now to like? with his all his wins is it does that come anywhere close or match or surpass uh richard petty's 200 cup wins i kind of want to say yes and someone i don't remember who it was i think i was at like a tweet up and someone was saying they were like calculating the amount of races richard petty won that you know like think about all the cup races back in like their you know 60s or 70s how many of them were like 200 miles and stuff like that and then you think about that for kyle bush like obviously the truck races and the and xfinity races are two three hundred miles so it's like distance wise like the races that bush is winning although it's in a lower series they're pretty much the same length that petty was winning so that kind of uh thinking makes me you know kind of agree that maybe he is like 200 wins yeah, well, my take on it is that Kyle Busch's feet is actually just as impressive. Um, you know, and I, I'd love to go back, really take a deep dive someday with some sort of historian. But from my understanding, so the modern era in NASCAR started in 1972, where they really standardized the amount of races per season. And it was like, you know, the full field for the big cup races each uh, Sunday and all that stuff. But before that, many uh, often many years where Richard Petty raced, um, he was, was like racing 50 on races or so a year. Yeah, yeah. And he was racing on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night yeah. against, you know, a field of locals or, or just a couple cup guys. And, you know, not everybody would enter every race. Certainly nobody entered, I think like all the races, if I'm not mistaken. So it was kind of like you chose which ones to go to. Um, and so, yeah, some of the ones, obviously like a Southern 500 or Daytona 500, you had all the main guys in there, but, and I'm not taking anything away from Richard Petty, but what we think of as cup races weren't necessarily the level of competition back then, if that makes sense. Right. And I agree. I think the amount of races that you run is something that matters also. So like, you know, 50 races in the sixties or seventies, like how many races was Kyle Busch doing, you know, before they started limiting the amount of races cup guys can do in Xfinity and trucks. Right. So I think the amount of races matters. I think maybe like the ratio of like wins to races run matters. I think, uh, David Pearson actually is the all time leader in that. Like he won 105 races, but he didn't run as many as Richard Petty. So I've actually spoken to people that think he's really the NASCAR goat. So I think that's another thing to consider is the ratio of uh, wins to races entered. Yeah, no, I, I think that's valid. And, you know, Richard Petty is, is always going to be the king. Nobody's going to take that away from him. Um, and, but I do think that Kyle Busch's achievement here, when you consider that a lot of these um, truck fields, yeah, you know, nowadays the truck series might not have the level of talent it did, you know, when Kyle Busch was first in it, but he won a lot of races against those guys too. Um, Xfinity, you're not filled with cup guys these days right now, but for a while there, the the top cup guys were all in those Xfinity fields that he was winning races against. So it's not like you can say, well, you know, it's just, it's lesser competition. I mean, even it, all those Xfinity wins he has, and he's getting close to a hundred in Xfinity. I mean, you often had Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Carl Edwards, guys like that in the field that, and he was beating them. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I know it's always going to be an ongoing debate, but, um, I do think that, that his achievement is right up there with Petty. You know, I, I, I don't know if one's better than the other, but it, it's certainly worth, um, 
celebrating, I think, when it when it happens. And it'll probably be happening next week. At least it'll tie it. All right, so um, we'll let's go back to this race real quick as far as the was it a good race poll. You mentioned that you're already going to be thinking about how people were going to fall on this. Ah, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Last week, uh, I got within 1%. I said 55%, uh, and it turned out to be 56%. Davy Siegel um, got 59%, I think he said. So I was able to pull out the win on that one or eke out the win. But uh, I think that was my first win of the year, maybe even. But, um, so let's see if you can if you can beat me on this one, um, John. What what's going to be your prediction for the was it a good race poll? I'm going to say about I'm going to say fifty seven. Fifty seven. Okay. Yeah. So basically, people will vote it just one percent higher than the Vegas race. You think it'll be similar to the Vegas race? Yeah, I do. I think uh, you know I asked you like in the middle of stage three. You know, I was kind of like thinking, all right, this may be like a 50-50 race, and you indicate you said that maybe it might be a little higher. We'll see how the end of the race goes. Um, I even asked on Twitter, like after the second stage, I asked, uh, you know, what what the fans thought in terms of like has this been entertaining, and they were still like, eh, the jury's still out. We haven't really decided yet. We'll see how this final stage goes. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna say 57. Well, I believe that um, a Kyle Busch win subtracts somewhere between five to ten percentage points, <laughs> yeah. depending on how many um, how many people he made mad or how he won the race, um, because people just never like to see Kyle Busch win. In a lot of cases, he was massively booed before this race. Uh, he got uh, quite a large boo. I was standing on, on pit road. Anyway, um, so I'll take your fifty-seven and subtract seven points because, um, I think that that's the right in between the, the five and the 10 basically. And I'll say it'll be a 50, 50 race where 50%. Yes. 50% no. Maybe that's low. Maybe people will think it's better than, um, than I did, but you know, Phoenix has actually gotten some really, really high ratings over the years. You know, um, actually during, uh, the, as we got closer to the end of the race, I tried to cheat a little bit and see what the pre- previous race polls were like. And, it was really kind of you couldn't really compare them because those races, you know, obviously like the 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 final round of eight race, right? You know, that's going to have a lot more drama and all that. But I was trying to look to see what the spring race was like last year, the year before, the year before that, and those were all I think like in the sixties or seventy ranges. So I I feel kind of safe saying like high fifties for this. Yeah, no, I and you know it's 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 been interesting because some of the bad Phoenix races, I guess you could say, or the the less interesting ones. Um, if you just look at the race itself, it's been like a race where Harvick completely dominated, but it's been in the fall and the action for like the last final four spot or whatever has been super dramatic. And that's what everybody's been watching. They haven't really been watching the leader or something. You know what I mean? So that's sort of covered up in some cases where the spring races has actually had some more action at times, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I know the fall has had some dramatic moments for sure, but the spring races has been pretty decent, but this one, I think people will just be like, nah. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I obviously the hope for next week, you know, with the new rules package, I know people are getting frustrated with this at this point. Cause they hear every week, the new rules package, what's it going to, you know, but this is going to be Fontana is, is once again, going to be the Vegas rules package. So the extreme, and 550 horsepower with the aero ducks and a big two mile track they are going to be freaking crazy on restarts and probably 10 laps afterwards because um they're going to be all over that track 
trying to find clean air, trying to get a, a, around each other, trying to draft. So it's going to be very interesting to see how much the tire wear comes into effect on a long run. Like they might get strung out, but I would think that after a, a restart or the few laps after that, they're going to be super aggressive. And it, I do think that it will cause some giant wrecks, even though I keep making predictions, they keep being wrong. That's going to be my prediction. I think I agree with that. So I remember when I was listening to the your podcast after the Vegas race, you were kind of saying uh, you were kind of let down, not because the race was bad, but because like the package just, you know, it wasn't really what people might have thought. And I feel like in my in my opinion, I felt like Vegas was the wrong race to hype it up. Uh, you know, it's a mile and a half. There's, you know, probably the bottom's going to be preferred and that sort of thing. I feel like California is the proper race to really hype it up because you can go like, you know, four or five wide, especially those restarts are going to be nuts. Yeah. And it's just, it's a bigger track. So you, you think there's going to be more throttle time, you know, I mean, not that there was a lot of throttle time in Vegas, but it's just a more wide open track. So it's going to probably maybe look more like a super speedway race. But then again, we could be completely wrong. And Kyle Busch might call us out. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will say that um, when I went to the Fontana test, the tire test there, there's only three cars and two of them were Martin Truex Jr. and Joey Logano. And they were doing like they'd go out three at a time, like little simulated races or whatever with the three of them suarez was the other one and logano and truex were like driving each other down to the grass in like a tire test to try to make passes and stuff it was really hard um to get by one another and so they were being really aggressive about it and so i thought wow if there's ever a place this is going to work maybe it'll be this so i i will say if it's a week from today and i'm recording this podcast at fontana and it hasn't been like a really great race i'm kind of going to be like at a loss about this rules package because I think that's going to be a really bad sign. If if NASCAR has made it through the entire West Coast swing and, you know, Atlanta and, Ve- you know, Vegas and Fontana and blah, 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 and, and just not had, like, a great race yet, it's going to be like, oh, boy, you know? I don't know. I think that's going to be kind of like a, a gulp moment for NASCAR officials. I think I think that's partially true, but I also think that some drivers, I think maybe Keselowski said that maybe you have to wait a few months to see what races are going to be like, you know, Kansas, Texas, maybe something like that. Yeah. And I guess if it's still bad then, then I guess what do we look forward to? Do we look forward to the Gen 7 car? Is that, is that how we got to wait for? That's a long way off. So it's going to be, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. The two are to cross that bridge, but anyway, John, uh, thank you for joining us and everybody else. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. <laughs>